Hey, good morning. Uh, it is the final Sunday of 2020. Um, and I don't think we mentioned it yet, but I just want to give you a heads up that after uh, I share this message, uh, we're going to do another worship song, but we're going to do communion together. So uh, if you're in your home, feel free to grab something that you can do for communion. If you've got grape juice or wine, I know it's early for wine, but you know it has been Christmas season and all. Um, but if you've got grape juice, uh, some bread, something to, contr- to, to be a part of that, um, if you don't have that, I'm sure you can rustle up something for communion. But we're going to be taking communion together in about 20 minutes, so please be prepared for that. Hey, it is... Um, as I already said, this is the last Sunday of 2020. Um, and I have got to say, there has been a weight I felt about sharing a message for the end of 2020 to prepare us for the beginning of 2021. Um, we've been in our series on prayers, which uh, if you've been following along with us, or if you haven't, you feel free to you know, tune in on YouTube and check out the last three messages. Um, we've been doing a series on prayers, dreams, and songs. That's what I've changed the name to because I didn't exclusively do prayers. Um, and I could not think of a better way to end 2020 and, and launch into what 2021 could be by talking about a very specific prayer in the Bible. And I've titled my message this morning, um, Teach Me How to Pray. And uh, I think this is a great opportunity for us to be taught how to pray. Because I have, I have found myself in a situation, maybe you've found yourself in the same situation, um, in a year where so much has been out of my control, I've found myself really needing God. I know that seems somewhat absurd for a pastor to say that he needs God differently today than he did the other day, but in reality, I've always needed God, but it's just become more evident lately that I don't have enough confidence in systems, I don't have enough confidence in governments, I don't have enough confidence in self, but I really need a confidence in him. I've found myself praying differently, praying from a place of brokenness far more than a place of sturdy certainty. I don't know, maybe you've been the same way. But why don't we take some time today? I'm gonna read um, from Matthew and we're gonna talk about a prayer that uh, is probably the most famous prayer in Christendom. It's called the Lord's Prayer. I was reading when I was studying about this, I was reading someone else who called it the Disciples Prayer. Because really, when Jesus gives this prayer, he's actually teaching the disciples how to pray. So going into a new year, I would like to know how to pray. And I feel like if Jesus taught his disciples to pray this way, it's probably sufficient for me of how to pray also. There's two times that this prayer comes up in the Bible. It comes up in Matthew, the the gospel of Matthew, and it also comes up in the gospel of Luke. Now it could have come up that it was um, shared twice because there's sort of different circumstances that it's shared around. And we're gonna look at the, the, the verse in Matthew, but no, you can find it in Luke as well. And we're gonna take up uh, the first verse here in Luke, or sorry, in Matthew 6, starting at verse five. It says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, much like you are right now, 
And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. We're going to pause there for a second. We're not yet at the, uh, at the prayer, <laughs> which you might know. But before Jesus gives this prescription of how to pray, he first gives this prescription of how not to pray. Now, I think you could read through this and you could find very varying understandings of it, but one of the big things that I would take away from this is this reality that at the, at the day that Jesus was in, the people he was talking to at that time, there came this habit, this habit to pray eloquently or pray in a manner that people would look highly upon you. Honestly, it happens in our day just the same. Have you ever found yourself in a group scenario? Maybe you're at the dinner table with your family. Maybe you're in a church scenario and you find yourself praying and trying to, you're you're almost self-conscious about what your prayers are gonna be because you want to appear spiritual enough or be spiritual enough. There was this time in Jesus' day where uh, the Jewish people had hours of prayer or specific times that they needed to pray. Now, wherever they were, they were to stop and pray. At 9 a.m., at 12, and varying times during the day. And there were people in that day who what they would do is they would go and make sure that they were in the crowded space, in the biggest space, with the most amount of people when that hour came so that people could see that they were praying. They very much cared about what man saw. Now, this is not a prescription that says do not pray in front of men. That's not what it says. What it's trying to tell us is do not pray for men. Do not pray for the praises of men, but pray for the praises of our Father. It's really interesting, actually, the last thing that he says in, uh, in, in verse eight. He says, therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. He's telling us that Jesus, that our, our God, our heavenly Father, already knows what we're gonna pray. This has taught me a lot. I'm not praying to inform God. I'm actually praying to inform myself. Because God knows, I I actually found myself praying this this morning. I had a hard time sleeping last night. I was anxious a bit for today and I woke up this morning very weighty about sharing a message on the last Sunday of the year 2020. And I found myself praying and and feeling such a weight of this and, and realizing, God, you already know the weight I'm carrying. What I need from you now is just to help my spirit know you know. Prayer engages our self to the Heavenly Father. Prayer is such a powerful tool that we so often neglect. I think that into the year 2021, as we come in this next month in January to do 21 days of prayer with a week of fasting at the end, I wanna be a person who's active in prayer. Not eloquently for men's sake, but actually for my sake. Why don't we turn to the prayer here? It says, in this manner pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. What an eloquent, eloquent prayer. Now in this day, uh, an earlier part that we just read had talked about the fact that um, people had been, had been uh, continuously repeating the same things over and over again and calling that prayer. So it sort of seems funny that when Jesus gives a prescription of prayer, he gives us a prescription of prayer, <laughs> that he gives us something to repeat. Now, at times this has been understood or thought of that this is the exact thing that we pray, but in, in fact, I think it's far more a model of what we should pray. One person uh, I read, I believe it's Augustine, who said that you cannot actually pray anything that's outside of the Lord's Prayer if you're praying wholeheartedly. That in fact, everything you would ever pray for is wrapped up in the Lord's Prayer. That everything else is just expansion of what's already in there. Do you want to know the, the most interesting thing about this prayer? In Luke, in Luke it comes when, when um, his disciples ask him to teach them how to pray. But the most interesting thing to me about this is there's never a time in this prayer that is prescribed to a person, just like you right now, there's never a time in this prayer that a singular term is used. There's never a time where it says my, me, or I. The prayer is exclusively a communal thing. Now, it doesn't mean that it's exclusively to be prayed communally, but it's to teach us something very clearly that we're never alone. That our needs and our wants are actually ours as a whole. It points us away from self because there's nothing more damaging to you than pointing your life towards self. Self is highly destructive. That doesn't mean you don't care for yourself, but to care solely for yourself will destroy you. Our Father in heaven, he teaches us how close God is. Our Father Be reminded today that although you may feel distant from things and from people, our Father is always close. Now I know maybe you haven't had a great father, but let the example of who God is be your example of what a father should be, not the example you've seen in your life before. Our Father who is close, who cares, who is available to us, who's in heaven, reminding us the vantage point of God, too many times in 2020 have I looked at the vantage point of myself when I needed to see a heavenly vantage point. Too many times was I distracted by what my world saw or what I could see in the physical realm and I needed a heavenly perspective of what was actually going on in my world. So many things in my world are, are removed of worry once I see a heavenly perspective on it. Once I reconnect with a heavenly perspective of what's going on in my world, our Father who's in heaven, not on earth, but in heaven, he sees us. He sees all of what is going on. He sees us. The first three things in this prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me give you a prescription of your prayer life to begin with acknowledging who God is. Because once I acknowledge who God is, how I acknowledge my needs in my world change. Let me suggest to you a, a small adjustment on maybe your prayer life. Let's not first come with our needs, but let us first come 
glorifying and recognizing the bigness of our God. Pray with the understanding of the bigness of your God into your needs and see what it looks like. Hallowed be your name. This uh, uh, small line reminds us of how holy God is. Hallowed is not a word I use except for when I say this prayer. <laughs> but it, uh, it, it tells us, it, probably another word we could use for it is, is reverence or separate. This very little four words is trying to remind us that God's name, and name doesn't mean exclusively that he was called Jehovah or Yahweh, but it's actually talking about his whole being, his whole personality, all of who he is. And it says, remember that I am separate. Do not treat me like any other thing because I am separate from that. My being, my existence, my character is separate from it. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. The first time it turns us to our attention of self, I could say, but really it never talks about self. It's actually a prayer for all people. Give us our day or give us this day our daily bread isn't just a prayer for my daily bread, but to pray for your a prayer for your daily bread too. When I bring this petition, I pray for you. Just as when you bring this petition, you pray for me. The word daily in this has actually been uh, a source of contention in the theologian's world for the last you know two thousand ish years, <laughs> because the best ideas that Matthew made up the word. There wasn't a word to quite describe what he was trying to say. Daily is one interpretation. Another, or what they, they assume to be the most literal interpretation, is super substantial. Give us this day our super substantial bread. Our bread for tomorrow. Our bread that is substance supernaturally. There's reference of how this could be relating to communion, which we're gonna take later. But here's how I remember it. I remember the story about the, uh, the people, the Hebrew people escaping from Egypt and landing in the promised land and having manna fall from heaven, food that God provided miraculously daily. And if you tried to keep it for the next day, it would spoil. Except for some reason, if you kept it the day before Sabbath and carried it over for Sabbath, it was good for a two-day shelf life then. That's supernatural. And what I remember the most when I read of this line and I think of it when I pray, give us this day our daily bread, is to remember that God is worried about today's issues and he's sufficient for today's issues. He's sufficient for my needs today. How many of you had needed to remind yourself of that in 2020 and maybe neglected to remind yourself of that? How much easier would my world be if I remembered daily to bring to God what, is he, what he is telling me to bring? A reminder that he's got this. Because don't you remember what I already said? God already knows your needs. So I'm not praying so he knows my needs. I'm praying so my needs are known or so I know my needs are known by God. He already knows them, but I need to remind myself, my needs are known by God. Why don't you just repeat that in your house right now? My needs are known by God. One more time, my needs are known by God. Your needs are known by God. 
Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forget our debtors. This is, this is a, a challenging verse. <laughs> Different interpretations will tell you that it means, uh, you know, debts could mean sins or trespasses, You'll, depending on what version you look at. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Other translations will also highlight the fact that, that it, it means when it talks about as we forgive our debtors, it, it talks about in the same proportion as we forgive our debtors. You remember that parable that Jesus shared one time about, um, about a, uh, a servant? Uh, I think it's when, um, when he's, his feet are getting washed and the perfume is being put over his feet and people are saying, you know, like, how can you let that type of woman <laughs> do that to you? You must not know who she is. And he talks about the grace that exists. He talks about the fact that one who's been forgiven so much will love so greatly. There's a parable he shares and he talks about the fact that there was a, a leader or a master and there was someone who owed him significant money and he didn't, um, and, and the, the man pleaded like to, to, to give him more time because he'd run out of time to pay his debt. And the master had mercy on him and forgave him. Now that man then goes out and he finds the person who owes him a small amount of money and puts him in jail demanding of that. And then you hear further in the story that the, the upper master finds out what the person he'd forgiven has done and goes out and calls him a wicked man and brings him in and asks him to pay all back. This is what reminds me in this verse. Which man am I? Am I the man who sees compassionately and forgives to all? Who loves greatly because I've been forgiven greatly? Can I tell you something I learned about myself in 2020? Probably, I, I was having a conversation with someone about 2020, uh, I don't know, in August, you know, halfway through, and I asked a friend of mine, I asked him, you know, what, what will your, you know, what will you tell your grandchildren or your children? I think Pastor Dave had, had talked about this a little bit. What will you tell your grandchildren or your children about the year 2020? What did you learn? What happened? What, what was that? I don't remember what his response was. I, I guess I'm not a very good listener as a friend. <laughs> but I remember my response. <laughs> I said to him, I said, I will, I will tell him it was the time that I learned of my brokenness. I've found in the year that has come in this past, I've learned far more of my brokenness than anything else. I've learned that I am, I'm not one who can stand on pride or self-sufficiency. I'm not one who's confident in my own understanding and my own beliefs at times. I'm confident in God. I'm confident in prayer in a heavenly realm that hears me and sees me and knows me. But I found myself probably closer to a place of recognizing and being a person who can acknowledge being forgiven so much. Once you realize you are broken, it becomes very difficult to not forgive those who are also broken. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those in the same proportion. Can you say that you want to be forgiven in the same proportion as you forgive others? 
Well, maybe this is what God's convicting you on right now. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I have a encouragement for you. I know this is just me giving you a little bit out of the Bible, but you know, if it was good enough for the disciples, it's good enough for me. I spent time a year ago, I was at a course, and uh, we spent an hour in prayer each day, and this is all we prayed. It was very surprising to me. I anticipated, I don't know, halos, and <laughs> I don't know what I anticipated. But we just spent an hour praying through the Lord's Prayer, meditating on each moment, our Father, who art in heaven. I've taken that practice to myself in my daily prayers is to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You have this opportunity coming up to face a new year in prayer, without prayer, with God, without God, in community, without community, in, in, uh, in Bible reading and not. My desire would be that we as a church in 2021, when we are at the end of 2021, we can say that we're closer in our relationship with Jesus. I know for the last two years I've spent time and I've read through the Bible in a year. Never have I done that before that, and it's been amazing. You have an opportunity to do that this year. We're gonna do 21 days of prayer. Now is that so that you pray for 21 days and then wait a year to pray another 21 days? No, it's really to try and get us into a habit. Because if I can get into a habit of daily acknowledging who God is and bringing my needs to the throne room, bringing my needs to who God is, I promise you what my year looks like will be unshakable. Not because I'm unshakable, but because I rely on those and he who is unshakable. 2020 is a year that you have been shooken. Your foundation has crumbled. And it automatically takes me to that story in the Bible where it talks about what you're building your foundation on, what you're building your house on. Maybe this last year your house has, has fallen apart and you've recognized you built it all on sand. No condemnation. I'm a broken person. I, I am very broken and so are you. But maybe this is a year to rebuild your foundation. To stand on a foundation that says, this is who my God is. And this is what he sees in me. I want to say that prayer one more time before the band comes and sings a song and we join together in communion after that. If, you, uh, if you're there, I'd encourage you, I'd love for you to say it along with me. Let the words not just be mere words, but let them be a conversation. Beyond small talk, if I could say it that way. We'll put it on the screen for you. Our Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever 
Amen. I'm going to turn it to the worship team now.